Welcome to Sometimes Talking, a podcast about art and the creative process. My name is Michael Legan, and I'm joined by my good friends Kevin Bergquist and Ian Babineau in my studio in St. Paul, Minnesota. This week, we sat down with Alex Horner. He's a director of photography and has been making a career shooting film. In this episode, we talked with him about how his process has evolved over time, from where he began in Duluth shooting film for nonprofits to where he is now, working on larger projects and continuing to challenge his process, both technically and philosophically. It was really interesting hearing how he does it, and we're super excited to have him on. So without further ado, let's get into it. started yeah but let's not be weird about all it right. <laughs> <laughs> all right well we're here with uh alex horner hey, hey alex hey alex Michael. is a dp he's a he's a filmmaker in the twin cities yeah. um alex has done a bunch of super cool stuff what's a dp um, a dp is a director of photography right yeah yeah we should we should talk for sure talk about that yeah um yeah, so Alex has done um, a bunch of short films, some long-form uh, branded stuff, one of mm-hmm. which was, um, I was just doing some research last night, that that, uh, that Silver Dome that, mm-hmm. the, that you shot in? Yeah. In Michigan? Uh, Pontiac. The Pontiac. The, the um, yeah, the Detroit Silver Dome. Yeah. Where the they just demolished that. And, yeah, it's yeah. gone now. In December. Mm-hmm. It's like this old abandoned... Uh, NFL stadium that yeah. you shot in for Red Bull. Um, you you do a bunch of commercials, mm-hmm. one of which I was honored to collaborate with you yeah. on. Um, and yeah, you also um, love to cook. I do. You you were just playing my piano. <laughs> yes, a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I guess let's start off with like. Talking about how you got into filmmaking originally. Well, I uh, went to school up in Duluth, um, or high school. And during high school, I was the, I guess, go-to AV video guy or whatever (laughs) to shoot stuff for all the student associations or whatever. Um, So it's just, I mean, just stupid stuff but it was fun right um so i started shooting um and then uh, after i graduated i was going to umd um university of minnesota duluth and i was at the same time i had gotten a job at a little production company in duluth and they had me i started they had me shooting depositions so depositions are um it was mostly um land disputes which is the most dry, boring content you could possibly imagine. I mean, it was horrible. So I'd like, show up. <clears throat> it like, was so it, you'd show up in a conference room in like a hotel or whatever, and um, I'd, I'd bring the gear from the production company, and uh, they just did this on the side to make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, just another way to make money. And I'd set up um, the VHS deck. 
uh, I had a little Marantz tape recorder. Oh my and God. it was just this nest of wires. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm this, you know, I was maybe uh, 20 years old at the time. Um, 21 maybe. I was still pretty young. Um, sh- you know, showing up doing these depositions and they'd last, you know, six, seven hours, sometimes all day. And I'd just be sitting there listening to and recording and filming these dry legal depositions. Wow. So that's what I started doing. And then from there, I the, actually, real quick, the one, the most interesting one I did, which was the only interesting one I did, was um, in a minimum security prison uh, in Duluth. And it was um, a deposition that related to uh, corruption in Chicago unions um, and the mob. And this guy was talking about the corruption and the uh, what what he knew about um, these these crime. Yeah, I don't remember really? the That's specifics, cool. but yeah, it was pretty yeah. interesting. So this is this yeah. Chicago Union, you know, guy in prison for. <laughs> I don't know so what he did, but wow! Can I ask really quick on that? So when you were in the courtroom, were you just like? camera just still looking at stuff or are you even moving or what were you no it was yeah. just set up and it was never a courtroom it was just um uh, usually conference rooms at, oh. at a hotel or a convention center or oh, just yeah, wherever they go to a courtroom yeah never a courtroom it was always out of a courtroom even because it was just yeah. a yeah it was just a deposition so okay. um it was you know they'd play back some of that stuff in courtrooms okay um that and it was just for the legal teams to have it's just easy you know yeah, they have yeah. to yeah. Interview so many witnesses and, and stuff. the guys That's from Chicago are doing it in Duluth because they heard of this amazing guy who does depositions. <laughs> and so they drove all the way to, to Duluth to have so, you do it. To, to move on from that, um, because I would, lo- you know, not that I wouldn't like to talk about depositions the whole time. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you're but, 21, 22 in Duluth, yeah, Minnesota. You know, I, I was still pretty young. Yeah. So um, from there, I transitioned to um, doing more nonprofit work at this production company, shooting it. Um, first editing and then uh, shooting, and I actually really enjoyed that time. Um, it was interesting stories. Uh, we did some stuff with uh, the women's shelter in Duluth. Um, oh, cool. So heard a lot of really, uh, really fucked up stories um, about women uh, going through some pretty horrible abuse. Um, so I, you know, I... I wouldn't do the interview. I'd just be operating the camera. But um, right. I feel like that time was really good for me because it, uh, you know, so I was editing these pieces, um, but they were good stories. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of got me going down the path um, that I took. Uh, and then from there, I so I edited and shot for them for a while. And uh, I was still in UMD, but I realized that I was essentially making a living already out of high school and that college just wasn't necessary. Um, so I decided to move to Minneapolis and, uh, through my connections at this production company, um, the owner, uh, really great guy. I learned a lot from him. Um, he introduced me to, um, a director in the Twin Cities and I started working for him. I had, um, AC, which is, uh, assistant camera, Um, So I'd help him out, I'd operate for him, and then I had uh, some other clients here that 
just kind of naturally, you know, how anything, any network grows, just right, kind of naturally right, right. presented itself and, um, the rest is history. Yeah. Just yeah. started doing well, it. Well, that's, that's something that I feel like when I've seen your work and now since I've seen you, um, I've seen you on set now, um, this last year, um, that's something that really stands out with, with your workflow is, is sort of like deriving a story out of things and in people like you're not just you're not just shooting like if for anyone listening you go to alex's website and you and you see your stuff there's definitely like i don't know like some somehow you like pull a story out of of something the memory of you in my room me playing piano and all of a sudden i look over and you're like you're there filming me yeah and the product i don't know yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool how how you can do that um so yeah so should we yeah let's let's talk about um let's let's talk about your tra- your transition from uh going from uh uh like a a DP assistant camera role into doing some more of your short films. Yeah. Um, so and some more of your, like your branded stuff. When did, when was, when did that kind of start? Like when did you start doing more? Um, yeah. Like, like a serious, like work. a serious work, not just doing assistant stuff, but like getting, getting an opportunity to like really yeah. dive in. Um, I think uh, when I was, working as an AC, it was really just for one director, DP, um, I, that I worked like that for, um, but I, it, uh, once you get plugged into a community, it, it, at least production, um, you just naturally progress towards what you want to do, and obviously you have to be good at it, or show that you're good at it, um, there's a lot to learn, um, but, you know, even when I was, uh, working under uh, another DP as an assistant camera, I was still doing my own stuff on the side. Cool. Uh, whether that's paid work or unpaid work, uh, stuff that I I wanted to be doing, right. getting paid for. I you know I think we all do that. We do things that we yeah. we do we do the free stuff on the side, yeah. um, and the stuff that's just for fun because you hope that that turns right. into... And you're still doing that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think everyone knows right. doing that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But your question as far as transitioning, I think it uh, it just naturally, uh, you just kind of work your way up through production. And I kind of had a little more uh, unorthodox upbringing through production, I suppose. Right. Um, a lot of people start out as a PA, production assistant, and uh, kind of get a feel for all the departments, camera, art, um, whatever, you know, whatever you're interested in. And then you might hop on and, um, help, uh, the stylist, um, or, uh, whoever's handling props and you, right. or if you're interested in camera, you might be a camera PA and then you just naturally right. kind of find your place. I didn't, I didn't go that route. Um, okay. uh, but that's traditionally how, it goes. I feel like you bounce back and forth between being a director and being a DP. 
right? Well, or those like what? Yeah. What's the relationship be- between that for someone who doesn't know like what? What the difference is between those? So, uh, the the what a director of photography does or a cinematographer, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot, of, you know, whatever you know, whatever your label is. Yeah. It. But um, what I do or what a DP does is they work with the director who um, is in charge of well, directing the talents and making sure the the spot or whatever you're doing is the way the client, and in terms of commercials, the client needs it to be. Right. So they might tell me, okay, here's, here's what we're doing. Here are the boards. Um, we need this scene to be set in the morning, this scene set in the evening, this one's like a midday look, whatever. Right. So they, they're essentially giving me um, details on what the image is supposed to look like. Right. Um, and then we bounce back and forth and kind of come up with uh, a plan for how it needs to look. Cool. Um, and then I have my crew, um, so I work with a gaffer and a key grip. And so those are? A gaffer... <laughs> I yeah, so, this is yeah, interesting because, yeah, yeah. like, I yeah. always hear all these terms thrown around in like movie industry, and I'm yeah. like, I kind of know what that means, but I never, yeah. So a gaffer um, is in charge of how do I put this? So they, I work with a gaffer um, and relay the information. Here's what we need it to look like, and then I might give suggestions on lights to use or what we need but a lot of the time that's up to the gaffer to kind of pick the best way to achieve a look okay um and so i you know it depends on your working style some i suppose some dps are very specific it needs to be this light here it needs to be that light there it needs to be this diffusion the light needs to be shaped like that yeah um and depending on what you're doing that might be the way to work other times it's more like i don't want to maybe plug and play where you just give a little more, um, more broad strokes that, so take, you know, we're in, uh, you say you're in a room and, um, someone, the scene is someone sleeping and waking up. Okay. Well we need it to look like morning, you know, morning light. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'll make suggestions like, okay, we need the light coming in from this angle. Here are our shots. And then the gaffer says, okay, cool. And then, uh, the gaffer works with, uh, his or her crew and, tells them what's going on um and that might be a crew of two other people it might be a crew of four or five um okay it depends on the scope of what you're doing yeah how big the budget is how many people you can have on are these um, can i ask real quick is like so there's a gaffer so you're working independently oftentimes as a dp and you're getting yeah. hired as like where this is the dp we're bringing in is then like the gaffer also working independently and being brought into the project yeah. and they have their own crew yep. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I'll I'll have suggestions for who I like to work with as yeah. a gaffer. Um, so I might like their lighting style, or I might like just the way they work. Are they um, bringing the lights? Uh, I know that's yeah, like so, a super basic yeah, question. Like, um, yeah. I mean, there's rental houses, so yeah. uh, lights come from a grip, grip okay. lighthouse. Uh, you put your order together. You say, okay, here are the lights we need. You do a tech scout, which is you show up and it's a tech scout. It's yeah. it's tech. You you figure out what you need. Um, and you know, budgets are challenging as always. Um, as DP, are you, are you like, 
are you in charge of getting all the gear, including lighting, or does the gaffer be in charge? No, I, I don't. I don't have to pick anything up. I'm not. I just say, here's what we need. I work with the gaffer. Like these, oh, okay. these are the lights we need, and then that order gets all taken care of. Runs through a grip lighthouse. They fill it. It goes goes on a truck. Yeah. Sprinter, three ton, five ton. Um, that's just the size of the truck and what's the gear that's on it. Okay. Um, cool. Sprinter van's smaller package. You don't have as many lighting tools i suppose or stands or okay um and then three ton you got a little bit more gear and it's pretty intense more. when i showed up yeah. to that shoot you did there were like, and that was that was really small scale. that was, that was oh, yeah that was like that was not yeah it was pretty uh low-key which yeah. it, it needed to be some some shoots you don't depending on what you're doing you don't want to um an example would be when you're shooting um with non-actors and you're shooting with real people that have never been on oh. TV before, been in front of a camera. To keep them comfortable. like <laughs> Yeah, you just, yeah. you want to, you don't want to get too big with things sometimes because yeah. it can just be, you know, you, you walk in and there's all these lights outside and it, it can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So you got to keep it feeling somewhat yeah. low key. Um, That's interesting. But yeah, so just back to the process, how that works. It's, you know, I work with the gaffer and then... Um, they and the key grip, key grip. So grip gaffers in charge of lights, electric, um, um, power distribution. Depending on what you're doing, whether we need a generator, um, just like a, it could be a six thousand watt generator, it could be a um, tow behind generator. That okay. Or some there's generators that are built on back of trucks, so a truck might come and um, depending on the power needs, because yeah. you can't some of these lights you can't just plug them into. Whatever's there, yeah. Standard house power. So you gotta bring um, the power too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta oh, bring so beefier, much that goes into this power. Stuff. Yeah. Um uh I'm not I wish I was a little more um knowledgeable in um in the electric side of things because it's oh, yeah. I mean, it's all about safe power distribution and um you know, it's it's a yeah. whole it's a whole thing. Is, that, so our gaffers, do they know that stuff well or who like oh yeah yeah yep. they have yep. to know the power supply well like that's part of their yep what they do okay yeah um and you know under the gaffer uh they'll have maybe one or two guys on electric um and then the grips grips are in charge of rigging so stands uh any uh sort of speed rail which is like this uh this uh tubing with all sorts of adapters and connections so you can build anything you need really okay um, so say say we need to get a light up um you know on to a second story it's like okay well can do we build scaffolding do we bring in a condor which is like a big lift um do we do yeah. it on a stand those are the kinds of discussions that you have um with your key grip and your gaffer, uh, gaffer. cool um and it, it, it's like it, it's a wow. Mutual discussion. Everyone's talking about you know what the best approach would be because you want to be efficient. You don't want to, yeah. um, you know. Obviously, you got to if you have a, especially for commercials. If you have a day to shoot, you got to have a happen. plan. Yeah, yeah, you can't be you can't be having those discussions day up because yeah, yeah. Oh well, we didn't talk about that, so we don't we didn't put that on the truck. Yeah, I mean, and that and that doesn't happen yeah. because you that's why you have text all planned out yeah, cuz you could lose out. hours I'm sure yeah, I mean but sometimes yeah. you know something something yeah. doesn't get on a truck yeah. um, or it gets it gets missed or something new pops up and but that's why you have you know these trucks are outfitted with 
the things you need. So, and that's why you have creative crew that, you know, if, if you have run into a problem, they're there to problem solve. It's not all on me to figure out a problem. Um, you know, it does kind of fall on me essentially because I'm in charge of the image. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, that's why you have talented crew that can problem solve and make things happen when necessary. So that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Sweet. What do you think? Like, what's what's um, what's like? I don't know. What's what's the most? Uh, um, what what was the most challenging project that you that you had this last year? Uh, the past year. Yeah. Jeez. Um, sometimes I mean it. Honestly, all kind of blurs together a bit. Um, you know, it's. It's work. Uh, it's fun. I really enjoy what I do, but a lot of time it. Or it's, it's just work. Was it? Was it? I, mean, um, I, I don't know if I try. I I could speak to a challenge. One of the more challenging jobs in general, not yeah. just in the past year. Um, I think one of the harder jobs, or just logistically difficult, was that Silverdome piece we did. Oh right. Um, because we. We're shooting in a stadium. Um, we didn't have a ton of grip and light. Uh, it was, you know, just a couple heads. Heads or lights. Just call them heads. Um, but just getting... I mean, you're in a stadium, so moving everything around and figuring out your, your what time of day you want to be shooting and um, where everything's going to go and putting together a plan so you're not bouncing back and forth you know, a stadium's huge and it's, mm-hmm. and it's not like you can, there's no elevators because it's an abandoned stadium. So there's no power. So everything, oh, weird. Yeah. you know, if you think about it, it's and just the a, roof, it collapsed, right? Yeah. The roof, on, the roof was one. gone. Yeah. Um, oh, so everything has to be run off a generator. So you're, um, yeah, you're moving everything on carts and you're pushing it, you're carrying things upstairs. Um, but that one was, that, I worked with my buddy uh, Ryan Taylor, who is another director DP in town, and and we can speak to that later. But the director DP thing, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Ryan and I worked on that, but we were able to um, fly out to Detroit for a day, just like in and out, and we went and we were able to walk around, come up with a plan, figure out where we were going to shoot, um, and. The the Silverdome piece it was for Red Bull. It's uh, Tyler Furnigal. Um, um, he is a BMX rider, and he was. We got access to the Silverdome to shoot, so that's what we were doing. Oh, that, that was so that was that. Red Bull's <clears throat> video of the year in 2015. Yeah, I think. Yeah, right? it was. That's a big deal. Yeah, it was, it has like millions of plays on YouTube. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think it's yeah. uh, over 11 million now. Really? Yeah, it's doing yeah. Really soon well. Yeah, but anyways, it um, it's really the cool. the logistics of that was was tricky, and because Tyler is a you know he's a professional BMX rider, but what he was doing was some of the stuff and some of the features that were built um, were, you know, really dangerous. And um, so we had to, we had to have a shooting plan in place. So if he does it, he might do it once and that's all you get. So you have to make sure that, you know, with action sports, it's um, you 
have to be vi- you can't just say okay let's go do that again because you might have <laughs> yeah. missed the shot or something happened you you can't do that cuz right. he you know he's psyching himself up to do some of this stuff and um not not in a reckless way by any means yeah. he's a professional he knows what he's doing and he's not going to do something that he's uncomfortable with yep or thinks to, is too dangerous. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> right. it's a calculated risk. Um, <clears throat> but that just means on, on our end that we have to be working around him, not the other way around. Usually uh, talent works around, you know, the crew and the schedule. And But in this case, you tell us how you want to operate. Um, right. So that was, I mean, it was challenging, but it was a lot of fun, and it everything went off essentially... Um, I, I perfectly, I'd say. I mean, it was. Yeah, he, he, it was he didn't great. die or anything. You know, he's he survived, right? Yeah, he. I mean, he. There's um, a shot that the Ender shot. He jumped out of the club box down to the field, um, and Dang. the first time he did it, he. There's a clip of it in a, a web series that someone was shooting. Um, around around this, uh, it was a BMX web series, I believe, for Red Bull. But they were shooting kind of behind the scenes and stuff. But the clips in it, um, I believe. But he, the first try, and God, I don't. It was a good. I can't remember the exact height. It was maybe. I want to say twenty five feet, maybe twenty eight feet from the from the club. I could be totally wrong on that, but yeah. um, it was huge <laughs> on yeah. a BMX bike. I mean, it's a yeah, huge it's, drop. It yeah. looks it's huge from the film too. So yeah. when, you know, that was, we, we gave ourselves essentially a whole morning. Um, I don't remember if we shot it in the morning or afternoon, but we gave ourselves a half a day to shoot it because he, there was a lot of figuring out yeah. on his end and just getting ready to do this. Um, so, uh, I forgot where I was going with this. Oh yeah, um, the him the first time he did it, he he jumped out and he was doing a three sixty. I think it was three sixty bar spin. I think there's a nicer word for that trick. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah. So yeah. he's he's doing a full three sixty and spinning his bars while doing that out of. I mean, it's just it's nuts. I mean, he's. On a BMX bike, no suspension, yeah. twenty inch wheels. I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, but the first time he did it, he jumped out and he uh, he, he kind of maybe call it geeing out, where he just hit. It was just so much force that he slipped off his pedals oh, and shit. and ate it and slid down. But he slid off to the side, and there were so they cleared out all these seats. The build team um, that built the the landing ramp, and he. There was some some supports on the chair. So um, in in old school stadiums, they have you know the metal the old metal supports on each side of the chair, and then the plastic in between. Yeah. That you sit on. So yeah. the plastic was gone. Um, so it was just these these steel oh. chair supports on the side of the <laughs> ramp. Yeah. And he slid right into it and like went over it onto his chest onto this oh. chair support. This is the first time he had tried this. So yeah. everyone everyone just kind of 
it was one of those <laughs> moments just yeah. oh no this is this is bad like he's he's not going to get up from this this is really i mean it's a horrible yeah. horrible looking wreck i mean it's it was scary it was yeah. really Dang. scary well, and the i've shot a lot of, of that action place sports looks and scary. It, it, it was it was freaky everyone was really kind of on like yeah. eggshells after that i mean that was um but he got up he somehow i don't i don't know how some of the, these guys minds work or a- action um um athletes or whatever yeah called, to get up and then just like breathe for a second it's like i'm okay i'm good I'm, <laughs> he's in pain because he you know, just almost impaled himself on a seat. Yeah. And his ankle, yeah. his ankle is all messed up because he's had problems with his ankle because he's a BMX rider. Yeah. And then it's just a really rough sport oh, sure, on yeah. your body. Um, so he's like limping and this is our, this is our final shot too. Right. We really need this shot, but we're not going to, we're not going to tell him you have to go do it again because you can't do that because yeah. it's, right. He could. It's dangerous. You you could die doing something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but he's you know he's a professional and he he is he figured out what he needed to change. Um, and they took out a bunch of seats in in the area that he crashed because they didn't plan for him to go there, but it happened. So yeah. they cleared out cleared out a bunch of seats, just sledgehammered sledgehammered them out. Um. So if that happened again, it'd be, you know, more yep. clear. Um, but yeah, he went back up, um, got got in the right headspace, and I think he got it on his third try. He did it again. He, he came off the pedals. Um, but yeah, he got it. I think it was his third try. Um, landed it perfectly. Um, and that was, that's probably one of the, most tense, awesome moments I've got to shoot. Yeah. Uh, wow. It was, yeah. That sounds, it, that sounds really intense. <clears throat> yeah, it was, uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> it, as soon as he landed it, everyone just kind of, just as ha- just, we were all just as happy that he, that he landed it, but also that, oh God, I'm so glad we're done doing this because right. everyone's <laughs> just hearts pounding yeah. oh my god like i don't want to see him do this yeah, again this yeah. is wow. yeah it's <laughs> no one should do this this is a one one and done thing yeah don't just do that over and over check right. that video wow. that's yeah it's a super cool video yeah. so yeah, some something that, that we talk a lot a lot about on this podcast is um kind of like how we have or like we're constantly battling with this um this um, contrast between like doing things that we love to do and then doing things that we're getting paid to do mm-hmm. and like how we sort of balance that and and when we're doing a job that you know like a, a, a money job or, or a job that's more of like a passion job and I feel yep. like some of these like branded videos like this one for Red Bull where you do get more autonomy with the way that you're making them mm-hmm. sort of like these 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 projects sort of flirt between those a little bit. Like especially mm-hmm. the one you got to do. Um, Alex did one for um, for Enterprise Rent a Car, and watching the video, it doesn't seem like you're watching an Enterprise Rent Rent a Car mm-hmm. video. Yeah. It looks like you're watching a short film, and 
you, I, and I feel like from talking with you, that was one of the first projects that you really got like a ton of autonomy to do. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, so that, that, that's something that I wanted to ask you about was, um, yeah, like how, how you, how, how that, that sort of internal dialogue of, okay, I'm doing this, I'm getting paid, but I'm also, um, getting to have some of my own sort yeah. of storytelling embedded in that project. Like yeah. how, um, yeah, what, what was that process specifically making even that, that film? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what, you know, any creative person or someone who does something creative for a job, um, that's the dream is that you get paid to make stuff that you're excited to make. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's what we all work towards. I mean, and it's not all, it's obviously not always like that. A lot of the time it's just, it's work and it's, you know, it's not all going to be the most creative fun stuff, but it never is. I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah. it's not the way it is. It's a, I think that's a, I don't think it's maybe attainable for some people, but for most average Mm -hmm. (laughs) creative people, it's not just, and that's just being honest. Um, but it's nice when those projects come along that you can get paid and you get to make something you're truly excited to make. Um, I think that's, you know, that this thing I did for Enterprise was, um, I'd call it a branded content piece, and that's uh, a lot of companies are doing that now where it's, um, it's not necessarily... It's it's a at the end of the day it's a commercial. They're yeah they're trying to sell something, but instead of being blunt about it and rent our cars or do this, it's selling an idea mm-hmm. more than. I mean that's what advertising is. It's selling an idea. Well, it's kind of the big push right now, isn't it? Like the branded content. Yeah, I mean they're doing that with like branded podcasts and different yeah. films and yeah, where it's just like we're presenting this, but it's really it's, just it's, a yeah, it's show. entertaining, but there's a brand yeah. behind it, and it's it's not hitting you. We don't. Younger generations are not down for being force-fed advertising anymore. It just doesn't work. It's changed. Mm-hmm. It has to be entertaining. Um, otherwise, you know, we don't we don't watch TV as much anymore. We're not. It's if a, if an ad comes up on YouTube, I mean, most of the time you still skip it. Um, but when companies do these pieces, they may not even ever mention the product in the spot and you may never even see it, but again, it's at the, and then at the end you might have a logo or something or, or not. Maybe yeah. sometimes they don't even put a logo on. It's just on their YouTube channel or it's just mm-hmm. being put out there on, on their website or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. but for this enterprise spot specifically, I had an agency hit me up and I don't, this is, this goes back to the director DP thing. I don't, I'm very, very choosy with jobs at all direct um because i don't consider myself a director um i typically only do jobs uh, or direct jobs that deal with real people or um you know telling real stories and it's not scripted it's a little more free-flowing okay um and not all i mean i still shoot jobs just as a dp like you know for stuff like that as well but yeah um because i i consider myself a dp not a director but every now and then 
something comes in or I get a call for something. And like, yeah, yeah, that, that'd be a lot of fun. I'd like to kind of be in charge of that, the way it turns out in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but this enterprise spot, we was hit up by an agency and they essentially said, what do you, what would you want to do with one of these themes? And I think the theme, they had a couple themes. Um, they sent me a deck and one of them was loss. Um, so I, they, excuse me, take a drink of water. Yeah, while you're drinking real quick, what's a deck? Oh, a deck is just, <laughs> it's yeah, a creative yeah. deck. It's yeah. just a, a PDF or something. Okay. The style treatment, you know, I think any creative field, you sometimes get those. It's like a, yeah. it's like yeah. a brief. It's, okay. this is what, this is what we need to accomplish. Um, here are the themes. Here's, here's the, the, the overall branding of the company. Cool. This is what it needs to be yep. to keep yeah. everything you know tight and within there. Uh, and they have that style. for all commercials, right? Or yeah, for, I mean, I mean, all most most of the commercial film stuff. Yeah, and I, I usually, as a DP, usually get to see that mm-hmm. um, once once a director gets you on a job, they send you the deck, and the producer sends you the deck, so you can see. So yeah, the general idea, or you get to see the director's treatment that they won the job with. So directors put together a treatment. Um, like, hey, here's how, here's how I want to here's what I want to do with your brief mm-hmm. I'm going to take your idea and make it my own and, and put my own style on it because um, that's what directors do they take an yep. idea and then they flesh it out even further right. um, and make it more interesting or you know, whatever so uh, yeah I got a I got a very broad general um, brief on what they're looking to do and is again there are maybe four or five th- themes and I was intrigued by the loss theme. So I got off the phone and um, just sat on it. Like, okay, what, what could I do? The and loss then, theme? Yeah, so that was... loss was one of their themes oh, wow. in the deck. Wow, that's really so, general. Yeah, it was yeah. super general. Yeah. And they, they didn't really have any specific ideas behind it. I think they had a few examples, but it was more just, what would you do with this? What would mm-hmm. you do with loss? So I thought about it and... I think maybe 30 minutes later, it just kind of hit me. Like, oh, this would be kind of interesting. So the idea that I had was to um, take a blind person hiking and um, show travel from their perspective and how, um, you know, because every, everyone likes to travel. And it's just a different take on traveling because just because you're blind, you know, you don't, yeah, of course you want to travel. I mean, it's fun. Right. Everyone likes yeah. to travel. Yeah. Just because you can't see something doesn't mean you can't experience it and mm-hmm. be just mm-hmm. as involved and um, present somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I called them. I called the agency back right away. I was excited. Hey, here's, here's what I want to do. Um, the guy I was working and said, Hey, that sounds awesome. Put together a treatment. How would you do this? So over the next few days, I put together my um, guide, essentially, or deck or treatment or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. just to what I wanted to do um sent it to him a week later they said they presented to the client uh and they they loved it like yeah it sounds cool go do it um so then uh and again I don't do this too often almost never but I ran the job through my little company um I didn't need to hire a bunch of people I only went out there with a crew of three including me and then a couple client and then um, the talent and his dad. Uh, so it was manageable. Like I'm, I don't 
consider myself a production company. I'm not. It's just every now and then, it's something. Yeah, yeah. Um, So to find... So I kind of... After they said they wanted to do it and I signed on to do it, I started thinking, crap, okay, how am I going to find someone who's blind who loves to hike? Yeah. 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 I was wondering that, too. Just like, what are the the logistics? The guy you found, though, like... Does well, so Minneapolis has yeah. a school for the blind called Blind Inc. in um, in uh, off Nicolette. Uh, oh yeah, Nicolette and there, yeah. Uh, Nicolette and uh, Franklin, essentially. Um, in in it's an old Pillsbury estate, one of the Pillsbury family's old homes. It's cool. just gorgeous stone mansion. I mean, it's incredible stained glass in this place. It's really cool. So I called them up. Uh, got in touch with the director there. Um, uh, she runs the place essentially, mm-hmm. and I asked her. I had no idea this place even existed. I, this is just I got lucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this it's a were you just googling a, and stuff like yeah, school yeah. for the blind. Yeah, or, yeah. I was just how who, how do you find someone who's blind who likes yeah. to hike? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> that's a very specific yeah. Thing. So I called them up, and she was so um, I can't remember her name, but um, this was a few years ago. But she was super helpful, really open to the idea. She liked it, and she set up a few interviews with me at the school. And she said these people could be really good candidates. So we interviewed, um, I think maybe four or five uh, students at the school, and the the age ages range. I mean. Uh, one guy we interviewed was probably in his 50s, I'd say. Um, another girl we interviewed was maybe 17 or 18. She was pretty young. Um, and then, so there's, the school has a range, you know, if you go blind late in life, you, you mm-hmm. need to learn how to get get by because yeah. it's, you know, so it, the school has, I mean, look, if you're blind and you need to learn new skills, go to the school and they'll teach you how to get through life without seeing. Um, mm-hmm. It's really, it's a really cool wow. program. It's pretty amazing. Um, so we found, uh, we interviewed one guy, Charles, who <laughs> he, he's young. He loves to hike, hikes with his dad who lives in Florida. So they, they'd go on vacations. He, he hiked up Devil's Tower, the backside. I mean, just like, it could he couldn't have been a more perfect candidate to do this. Yeah. Um super nice guy. Um really fun to hang out with, talk to. Um like overall great perspective on life and um very open about his blindness and uh his story and um you know, it's just he's he's just very matter of fact, like, yeah, I'm blind, but I like to I still like to do this stuff. Um Quick question. Yeah. Do you, uh, through the process of finding, like, talent that doesn't necessarily do that for a career, do you have to, like, pitch them a price that you're going to pay them? Or, like, yeah, so how does that work? When it comes um, to, yeah, compensation, yeah. Um, you know, I, I looked at the budget and I was working with a, a local producer, freelancer, um, who I had brought on to just help um, and uh, kind of came up with price that seemed fair. I talked to the agency and said, Hey, here's what 
uh, here's what we're thinking we're going to pay. Um, does that sound cool to you guys? And they said, yeah, sounds, sounds fair. So then I, um, you know, I'm very, it was very upfront right off the bat. Like, Hey, here's what you make. If you want to do this, um, right. This is, this is what we have. Think it over. Um, very transparent. Like this is what mm-hmm. we got. Think about it. And sometime, you know, he could have come back and said, no, nah, I need a little bit more. And it's like, okay, well, we'll figure it out. But mm-hmm. they were cool with the number and it was very, it was very fair for mm-hmm. what we were going to do. And, and, and on top of it, like we, we flew him out to Seattle and went hiking and, yeah, was, you know, drove all over the state. I mean, it was like a Probably a trip, a road trip. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, they were yeah. totally down for That's it. Cool. So we flew. Um, I had my crew of three: a producer, sound, and uh, camera assistant, and got a van. And we all worked out of the van and just kept it very basic. Um, his dad. We flew his dad in from Miami, um, and then Charles lives in Minneapolis, and uh, yeah, we flew everyone out and spent a week shooting so we did a lake 20 i think it's lake 22 is the lake the hike we did um just outside of seattle um and so the way it worked is that um charles follows his dad from behind and has his hand on his shoulder his dad's shoulder and his dad calls out what's ahead and says okay we're gonna have a step up here um, watch out. There's a, there's a drop off to the right. And this is not a, this is, this is a serious hike. It's yeah. not a slouch, slouchy hike. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty serious. The there's, there's a shot. There's a there's shot in this of, isn't Charles like sitting on a fallen tree? Yeah. That's, like sitting over a huge gorge. Oh or yeah. Something? Like, it, he, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, he's, yeah. It's pretty wild. It was, yeah, it was really fun. He was down to try stuff and, He's like, yeah, like I'll I'll get out on that tree. <laughs> cool, like, oh, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, cool. Then you know, obviously we you know made yeah. sure it was safe and you know yeah. had people below to, you know, I, I'd do that even if he wasn't blind. I mean, it's yeah, it's just yeah. like you don't you don't just crawl out on a tree over a huge drop or if you fall you're can get fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's yeah. just like the type of personality I'm sure. Like he's yeah, gonna do that regardless. Yeah, he's of his just he's just like, like that's, yeah, it's like, <laughs> he and that was what was so fun about you know, w- with working with him is that, um, like him and his dad's demeanor and just their, their banter back and forth was really great. And, um, I think, uh, you know, they talked a little bit about, we talked to him about just, you know, what it was like. He went blind when he started going blind when he was 16, I believe. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So he had, you know, he has perspective of what things look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was really fun talking to him just about um you know what it was what it's been like um you know and and the struggles between um uh, you know just just figuring that out i mean even if you have good relationships with your family it's going to be really difficult and you're going to go through some some very difficult you know growing pains mm-hmm. um figuring that out um but it was great you know hearing about that and um how him and his dad have gotten closer and figured out a way to still do things together like they can still go hike and it's yeah. not a big deal it's just, it's just mm-hmm. i'm blind you know it's, right. it's just the way it is it's it's yeah. in there didn't you have some, fine. some yeah. dialogue in the in the actual uh film 
that between him and his dad, like his mm-hmm. dad asking him, like, "Oh, so what? What do you do in, with this?" Or like, kind of like, or was that not in that? Um, there's there's some just kind of like some random. Yeah, there's banter back and yeah. forth, just as um, you know how they his dad explaining what what's out ahead, right? Um, kind of painting a picture for him, uh, you know, because he does Charles does have reference to a lot of this stuff and right. remembers um you know what it looks like so his dad can describe things and he can paint a picture in his head wow it's wild um, as a story yeah yeah it's it's um yeah it's he's a he's a really cool guy yeah um alex do you think you'd ever be um uh uh up to scoring your own stuff <laughs> Oh. I, I'm I'm always curious because you come over and your dad's a composer. Mm-hmm. Um, you you grew up with music. Alex is really into piano, by the way. I think, and you play piano, and I don't know. Yeah. I think what I've done in the past when I've worked with my dad, um, my dad and I have collaborated on some stuff. Or not he, not even scoring your own stuff, but just yeah. just, just making music. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Cause you, I mean, I enjoy you, you playing. I'd say I'm more of a, I can kind of hammer out ideas and then I like to lean on more talented people that can, you know, someone like you or my buddy Nick or my dad, someone that can right. take it and turn it into something. Yeah. Um, cause I'm not, I don't have the technical background, you know, to take an idea and hammer it out. And I'm not sure I, not that I couldn't, it's just there are people that do that that are really good at it. So right. yeah. I'm not about to, you know, and too, it's just, if you're, it's more interesting to have other people's take when you're working on stuff cre- that's creative. It's, it gets boring when you have to do everything. Yeah. Um, right. So I think it's more just coming up with a little piano line or um, something that, you know, an idea and then letting it go and let someone else okay. kind of flesh it out. Yeah. So, I, cool. and I just like playing more than, you know, I like to keep it just, just to playing and not in turn it into a technical process. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Cool. However, I feel like we'll collaborate at some point in the future yeah. <laughs> doing, doing something. <laughs> yeah. Um, get bit better at piano. Yeah, Alex. What's um, what's like uh, what's a one year goal, and then what's like uh, like a ten year goal? For uh, you? I don't think I had too much. I think um, I'm always thinking about um, just trying to stay fresh and do new, better work. Uh, it's very general, but I don't. I'm not the type of person that says, well, in 10 years, I want to be doing this. Right. In Is there one anything, year, yeah. it's just, it's, it's a month to month. Just what am I doing now? And right. is it interesting? Or if it's not, then I, I don't know, change, try to change things up. Right. What's the longest in advance that you've, you book projects? Uh, usually it's, uh, two to three weeks sometimes a month oh really yeah so you don't you don't ever sit down and you're like all right i want to line something up for like 
eight months out? Um, no, I mean, when it comes to commercial work, it's, I feel like it's kind of a month long process. An agency gets, uh, oh, has a job, they reach sure. out, they find a production the company. They come to you. Yeah, yeah. By the time they come to me, it's, they're maybe potentially a month in. Okay. Or a few weeks in. Sometimes things come out of nowhere, but usually for commercials, there's some lead time. Um, and then, you know, I'll, I, I just had a job book uh, a couple of days ago that's not till first week in March. So that's some okay. month out. And that's kind of rare to get jobs booked that far out, right. I feel like. Usually it's just a few weeks. Mm-hmm. It depends on what you're doing, too. You know, sometimes, um, you know, this enterprise thing, I had a good, I think it was maybe a month and a half, two months to get ready for it. Which is really okay. nice because they didn't have a they didn't have a date that it needed to be done by, which is really nice. So it's yeah, like, like well, how much time do you need? When when can we do this? Right. Is there a project that like you really have wanted to work on for a long time and um, some something that you like haven't done yet that you want? Yeah, try? I'd like to do more. Um, I guess high concept kind of stuff where it's. Um, yeah, what does that look like? Um, something that just has a little more maybe thought behind it, uh, whether it's a commercial or a film or whatever, that um, I guess you'd say is maybe more technically figured out as far as, um, I don't know, sometimes jobs come your way and they the general idea is a little loose, um, but I'd like more work that's, more sure of itself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Where it's mm. it's it's more pointed, and no, this is the way it needs to be. How do we how do we accomplish this? And this is what it is. I feel like mm. sometimes, more often than not, um, some of the things I'll shoot don't feel they don't, don't feel sure of themselves. The, the The idea isn't flushed out enough or it feels a little wishy-washy mm-hmm. um and that you know it's it can be for a number of reasons we don't need to get into why but it uh, yeah i just i want to do more work that kind of pushes me more for lighting um i enjoy lighting but sometimes you fall into just these um kind of plug and play where come into a situation like okay well our due to our budget or whatever like you just go to your your tricks like okay mm-hmm. you need to do this this and this and you don't there's not that much discussion about um you know how it needs to look um you know it's mm-hmm. it's there's a mix of that and then certainly do jobs where there's a lot of discussion of how it needs to look um and it's a little more direct um like nope needs to be like this and Hmm. um, yeah just being being more technical i think and trying new things with lighting and getting to try new try new lights out um you know uh, light larger spaces um you know getting 